0: Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. In my podcast each week, I try to look at passages from Scripture in ways that makes them relevant to our daily lives, while remaining faithful to the sacred context in which they were written. I come at Scriptures out of my Christian background, but I hope that I do so in a way that respects all religious traditions. Everyone is welcome and respected here. This week, I'm going to focus on a passage from the prophet Micah. Micah was a prophet who lived during difficult times in the life of the people of Israel, who were being attacked by the powerful Assyrians, an ancient empire. Instead of blaming the Assyrians for the suffering of Israel, Michael looks at the behavior of Israel's powerful leaders politicians, priests, and greedy merchants. We can look at this as a social and political commentary, as well as a religious one. Micah writes, With what shall I come before the Lord, and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, and to love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Here ends the reading. Instead of starting from scripture today, as powerful as Micah's words are, I'm going to begin from a slightly different perspective than usual by looking at a popular cultural event, the Super Bowl, specifically Super Bowl 57. But don't worry, we'll get back to Micah. Now, we've watched this game grow over the years from being just a sports championship to a vessel for cultural, moral, political, and even spiritual ideals in America. Watched on TV this year by 113 million beer-drinking, nacho-crunching fans, the big game can't be dismissed as insignificant. Like it or not, this game is more than just a game for our culture, which worships at the altar of sports. It is a national icon. This year, perhaps more than any other, there's been a lot of media and political controversy as to whether the game has become too much of a podium for social and political issues and or they stand on the right side of these issues. Now, full disclosure, I watched and enjoyed the Super Bowl, including its open ceremonies, entertaining ads, and the much-anticipated halftime show. And, I must confess, I took part in an ongoing discussion and criticism of the event with fans and non-fans alike who gathered in my family room to watch. We provided our own social and political commentary. So here's what I experienced. Things really got underway with the singing of patriotic songs. Sporting events, including the Super Bowl, have come to provide an opportunity to promote American pride and patriotism. I guess that the competitive nature of sports lends itself to the competitive displays of nationalism, from the singing of the national anthem to the adrenaline-pumping military flyover. My late brother and I used to grade the singing of the national anthem at sporting events, we were both purists. Even if artistic and well-performed, any instrumental or vocal embellishment, slide or warble, or notes held too long were grounds for an immediate deduction. Also, dramatic facial and bodily contortions by the singer were seen as pretentious grandstanding and also grounds for deductions. I love the guitar, but it is a forbidden instrument with regards to our national song. Sing it straight or don't sing it at all was our motto. Well, now that my brother is gone, I found another friend who shares my conservative view of the singing of Oh Say Can You See. and He now joins me in my grading. Fortunately, our judgmental approach was and is tongue-in-cheek. After all, who am I to judge? I'm really just expressing my personal taste. National national anthems are not choral, but communal, are not religious, but patriotic, though they can include religious elements, and they're not used for liturgical or religious purposes, but for national ones, political ones. In a deep sense, there is a wisdom in the name, A national anthem is an icon, but they are not sacred in the religious sense. A national anthem is a symbol of all that a nation is and aspires to be. Therefore, national anthems are significant because they express how we see ourselves and present ourselves to the world. Thus, there is room for different expressions of this self-identity, But these expressions may lead to criticism and even conflict. My experience has taught me, however, that experiencing the Star-Spangled Banner being sung requires some tolerance for how other people experience it. That applies to the whole patriotic display at the beginning of the game. This year, controversy surrounded the singing of Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is also known as the Black National Anthem. I heard one prominent national political figure say, there's only one national anthem, and singing of a so-called Black National Anthem is divisive. Others shared her sentiment. Many disagreed and were brought to tears by its singing. This critical politician was not just sharing her personal taste. She was making a strong judgment principle. Well, was this song divicy, was it in some way even unpatriotic? Or was it another legitimate expression of how America sees herself and what she strives to be? Lift Every Voice and Sing was written as a poem by James Weldon Johnson around 1900 and was then put to music by his brother, Johnson started out by intending to write a poem in commemoration of Abraham Lincoln's birthday, but expanded it to highlight the struggles of African Americans following the Civil War and the Reconstruction era. Let me read it to you, removed from the fanfare and hype of the Super Bowl. Lift every voice and sing, till earth and heaven ring, ring with the harmonies of liberty, Let our rejoicing rise, high as the listening skies. Let it resound as loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. Stony the road we trod, bitter the chastening rod. Felt in the days when hope unborn had died, Yet with a steady beat have not our weary feet Come to the place for which our fathers sighed? We have come over a way that with tears has been watered, We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered, Out of the gloomy past, till now we stand at last, Where the white gleam of our bright star is cast. GOD OF OUR WEARY YEARS, GOD OF OUR SILENT TEARS, THOU WHO HAS BROUGHT US THUS FAR ON THE WAY, THOU WHO HAS BY THY MIGHT LED US INTO THE LIGHT, KEEP US FOREVER IN THE PATH, WE PRAY. LEST OUR FEET STRAY FROM THE PLACES, OUR GOD WHERE WE MEET THEE, LEST OUR HEARTS DRINK with THE WINE OF THE WORLD WE FORGET THEE, SHADOWED BENEATH THY HAND, MAY WE FOREVER STAND true to our God, true to our native land. In this poem or song, I first hear a recognition of our nation's centuries-long struggle with the enslavement of of African Americans and slavery's aftermath. It talks of a dark past and weary feet walking a stony road while under the master's chastening rod. These negative images of the past are necessary, however, to set, up, set the scene for the thanksgiving for the bright new day of the present and hope for an even brighter future day. The poem ends on a high patriotic and faithful note. Shadowed beneath thy hand, may we forever stand true to our God, true to our native land. For me, this song fulfills the qualifications of a national anthem. It is a symbol of all that our nation has been, is, and wishes to be, a land of justice and liberty for all. The fact that it is the black national anthem need not be divisive if we all stand and sing it together with our voices ringing in the harmonies of liberty. The singing of the Black National Anthem, the spectacular pop performance by Rihanna at halftime, and the military flyover piloted by all-women crews elicited the charge that the whole Super Bowl 57 production was trying too hard to be woke. Now let me state for the record that I don't use the word woke of my own accord, only in reporting what someone else has said. The word has become, I think, almost meaningless, as it is often used sarcastically to construe people's motives as insincere and naive, and as it has been said, sarcasm is the last refuge of weak minds. The intent in using the word wokeness is to be confrontational and intentionally divisive. In the case of the recent Super Bowl, the charge of wokeness stems primarily from members of our white culture's discomfort with black identity. And that's not to be expected. The majority culture is always comfortable with the way things are and wants to preserve it, while the minority culture feels excluded and wants to change it. We saw that in the bitter generational conflict of the 1960s. The costumes and dance moves of the halftime show that perplex and sometimes even offended many in the older, whiter audience, me included, can be seen as important signs of social protest. They are prophetic rather than problematic. We would all be better served if we replaced judgment with curiosity and argument with conversation. Then we can all learn something and perhaps try to correct what's wrong. Well, why drag this into sports? And why the Super Bowl? It undoubtedly has something to do with the racial makeup of the NFL. 70% of the players in the league are black, in comparison with 13% in America. Additionally, only 9% of the league managers and exactly 0% of the team's CEOs and presidents are black. Why this disparity exists is much too complex a topic to address here. But the sheer numbers clearly show that something is seriously out of whack. Not only in football, but in our society in general. So if the Super Bowl is social commentary, let's use it to a positive end. So let me go back to Micah. The people of Israel thought that they were being faithful to God in their well-established traditions of religion and worship. And yet God seemed to be punished them with military disasters at the hands of pagan enemies. They said that they bowed down and worshipped God and that their altars were overflowing with sacrifices and offerings. They even asked God if God would be satisfied if they sacrificed their children. Not an unknown practice in the day. You don't get it, do you? Michael tells them. Micah tells them. The Lord has already told you what he requires of you. And it's really simple. Do justice. Love kindness. And walk humbly with your God. And the prophets keep hammering home this message of justice, love, and humility throughout the Bible. And Jesus picks it up as his mantra. If you say you love me, says God, act like it. Love and care for your neighbors, all of them. That's how you worship me. Now let me transpose the prophecy of Micah with the message I've drawn from Super Bowl 57. What does the Lord require of us? Well, we know what he doesn't require of us, that we sing the correct national anthem in the correct way or uh, salute any particular flag. The Lord certainly does not require that we sanction what we consider appropriate and tasteful costumes and styles of dance that we're comfortable with. Our God is bigger than that. God has already told us again and again what is required of us to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with our God. You know, I remember fondly when Kate Smith used to sing God Bless America. I sometimes get teary when we join in singing the Battle Hymn of the Republic or America the Beautiful and I still take off my hat and put my hand over my heart as I face the flag and sing the Star-Spangled Banner. But I think James Weldon Johnson really got it right when he encouraged us to lift every voice and sing, and we can turn his last stanza into a prayer. Dear God, shadow beneath thy hand, may we forever stand true to our God, true to our native land. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may we walk humbly with our God. Amen.